Welcome to the Investor Download, the podcast about the themes driving markets and the economy now and in the future. I'm your host, David Brett. Before we get started, it's just a note to say this podcast was recorded on September the 27th at 2pm UK time. It's a fast moving situation and things may have changed by the time you listen, but enjoy. Last Friday, the UK Chancellor, Kwasi Kwarteng, announced a mini-budget. The aim was to ease the burden of the energy crisis and to boost growth in the UK. People need to know that help is coming and help is indeed coming. We're taking three steps to support families and businesses with the cost of energy. So taken together, Mr Speaker, we're cutting everyone's energy bills by an expected £1,400 this year. And our aim to reach a trend rate of growth of 2.5%. And our plan, Mr Speaker, is to expand the supply side of the economy through tax incentives and reform. The market reaction was swift and damning. One thing that's going on right now that seems to dramatically be affecting foreign markets and I think washing up on these shores is this announcement of a broad tax cut uh, in England. And what's happened is a massive increase in the yield on the 10-year guild. Take a look at the chart here. You've gone from, I don't know, call it the 350 area to the 378, 379 uh, yield on the British 10-year. Uh, and that has really surged and still surging. That came after the pound hit its record low against the US dollar. But that is a sign of investors out there being worried about sterling. And that's basically a proxy for saying them being worried about the UK economy and pulling money out. So, I spoke with our colleague, senior economist Azad Zangana, about the fallout from the budget and what it might mean for individuals, the markets and the economy. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, you're listening to the Investor Download. Uh, Azad, uh, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you, David. Okay, so um, as we just build up in the preview there, there's a lot going on in the UK. Can you just give us a a brief outline of what the story has been so far? Well, essentially, we've had um, a more dovish central bank than expected by financial markets in the last uh, update from the Bank of England. And the change in administration has led to a very big increase in spending related to the energy crisis that we're, we're seeing here in the UK. Um, but also on top of that, we have some pretty big unfunded tax cuts which came through. When you take all these together, huge spending increases, it means that you've got a lot of new uh, bond issuance coming to the market at a time when the Bank of England seems to be quite dovish still. And so as a result, obviously, uh, things have moved very quickly. And what's been the reaction in markets? Well, the pound has taken quite a big hit. Uh, just before the uh, the mini budget statement um, from the government, the pound was at uh, 112.5 versus the dollar. It's fallen to a, a low of 104, which was a record low, but has since rebounded up to 107.8. Um, against the euro, we were at 114.5. It also fell to a big low of 108.3, and it has now since come back to uh, 111.9. So generally weaker sterling uh, across the board. And then in the bond markets, we've also had a very big sell-off in, in government bonds. That means that the yield has risen and the cost of borrowing for the government has, has gone up. Again, just before the uh, mini-statement, 
the 10-year government bond yield for gilts was at 3.5%, and that has shot up to 4.3% just in a few days. That sounds quite dramatic. Um, why has the market reacted so fiercely? I think a lot of this is because it was such an unexpected change in policy from uh, the government. I mean, at the end of the day, this is the same government that's been in power for a very long time now. Uh, we haven't had an election. We have had a leadership change. That leadership change has um, led to a very big uh, turnaround in policy, moving away from the more sort of interventionist um, government to one that wants to now shrink the state essentially and, and provide more fiscal support. But the, the other issue is that we've sort of moved away from fiscal prudence. This mini budget statement has been delivered without the independent scrutiny of the Office for Budgetary Responsibility. This is the organization that was introduced by this government to stop chancellors essentially spending too much or putting the public finances on an unsustainable trajectory. So that was also seen as a, as a, a big negative um, for the markets. And how has that affected the government's relationships with some of these organisations? I'm thinking as well as the Office of Budget Responsibility, the Bank of England as well. So there is a, a, a conflict um, that we, we expect to see between these in institutions. The Office for, for Budgetary Responsibility, if they are you know, doing their jobs, they will come out later this year and, and say very clearly that um, the public finances are now unsustainable and, and action needs to be taken to, to reverse these trends. Meanwhile, we've got the Bank of England who is trying to slow the economy down and, and by raising interest rates and, and starting quantitative tightening as well. They now find themselves in a situation where demand has been stoked up by the government. And so they may have to raise interest rates by even more than uh, previously expected. And that, that's certainly what the market is telling us now. Okay, uh, Larry Summers, the former US Treasury Secretary, tweeted, uh, I think it was earlier today, the market's reaction has the hallmarks of credibility lost. Do you think that's hyperbole or somewhat closer to the truth? No, I think it's it's pretty accurate. Um, you're not going to find uh, many in the market today that think the government are doing a good job and would be a buyer of, of these assets. Um, I, I think the, the, the moves are, are clearly showing us that uh, investors around the world think that the government is going in the wrong direction and that the Bank of England now needs to step up in order to offset some of uh, this extra loosening of policy on the fiscal side. The Bank of England have so far said they're not willing to, well, they're not thinking about stepping in before the next uh, meeting. Do you think they might be forced to change their mind depending on how the market reacts over the next week or so? To a certain extent, the market is doing the job for the Bank of England in any case. Um, you know, at the last um, monetary policy report meeting in, in August, um, they were telling everybody that um, if they kept interest rates at 1.75%, that would be more than enough to get inflation back under control within their forecast horizon. Um, as of today, the market is predicting interest rates reaching 6% by the middle of next year. Now, the impact of this is that mortgage rates are, are going up anyway because they're, they're priced off um, swap markets and, and gilt markets. They're not priced off the Bank of England um, directly. So in a sense, they can afford to wait and see where markets settle. But if the sell-off continues in a very aggressive way in the next week or so, then they may have to come back and, and step in um, quite quickly just to settle the markets. 
Okay, we mentioned uh, earlier just how far the uh, pound had fallen. It's come back a little bit, but it's still around 20% down against the US dollar. And as we've mentioned in previous podcasts, we know uh, how much goods and services around the world are priced in US dollars. Um, How much impact, well, especially fuel in particular, that's one thing we should mention. So how much impact do you think this is going to have on businesses that have high import costs? And which sectors do you think are most at risk? So obviously, there's a direct feed through into anybody who's importing large amounts, especially uh, the energy sector, which um, you know oil priced in dollars. Um, that that's going to be the, one of the biggest areas that um, is hit. Um, a lot of the retail sector will also be quite negatively hit because the UK doesn't really produce a great deal of goods domestically. Now, the good news is that um, the UK imports um, quite a large amount in euros um, and not just in dollars. And and because the fall against the euro has been smaller, it won't be quite as bad as if it was just all against uh, the dollar. But still quite significant nonetheless. And obviously, this is all driving up inflation as well. Lots of people are asking the same question. I mean, do you think we've uh, found the bottom yet in the pound and uh, the stock markets and, and maybe even bonds? Probably not in the pound. Um, I think the market will want to see a a change in the either the direction of the government or uh, the stance of the Bank of England in that they need to become much more hawkish um, quickly. And that can be achieved through speeches. It doesn't have to be direct action, but there has to be at least a change in the messaging uh, for the markets. For the stock markets, the uh, FTSE 100 and FTSE 250 were already looking quite cheap on a valuation basis. And now with sterling falling so much, I mean, they're, they're probably looking even more attractive for overseas buyers. The key thing there will be when will the pound stabilize? Um, a lot of international investors won't want to buy the pound um, sterling assets unless um, sterling stops falling, which, which I think may still take a little bit of time yet. Get in touch with us by email at shorterspodcasts at shorters.com or visit our website, shorters.com forward slash the investor download. It's hard to sometimes look beyond the gloom that we're currently surrounded by. But I mean, exporters could see demand rise if it's cheaper for those abroad to buy their goods. So are there any sectors that could benefit from what's going on at the moment? Or is that offset by what's happening with the broader economic concerns? So it depends on the the exporters that you're looking at, but generally speaking, the large multinational exporters in the UK tend to be able to set their prices in overseas currency. So not in sterling, but in dollars and euros and yen and everything else. So as the pound falls, that means that there's a translation effect on their profits and their profits rise as a result. It doesn't necessarily mean that their goods become cheaper overseas. For those exporters that do export in sterling and advertise their prices in in the pound, yes, that they will fall, they will become more attractive and demand should rise. But then we come to the the, the big problem in the economy more generally, which is there is a huge shortage of labour in the economy right now. And so the idea that um, exporters can suddenly start increasing their exports by hiring more people and expanding their output, that's just very unlikely. It's more likely they'll just have to raise their prices and, and ration that demand instead. So while we, we might get a, a, um, a value effect helping to boost nominal growth uh, for the UK economy, it won't help the real economy um, at all. Given the inflation problem we're currently experiencing, uh, how quickly might the fall in the value of the pound feed through to the broader economy? 
it'll probably feed through faster than it has done in the past, just because um, households are now becoming used to prices going up and companies are raising prices regardless. So they may as well increase prices now ahead of when those costs will come through. You tend to find that um, when when whole markets or whole industries are raising their prices at the same time for similar reasons, then it's easier to hide these kind of price increases uh, in the mix. Um, it's just a less competitive market as a result. Okay, households are struggling at the moment. I mean, how much of a risk does the current situation pose to household finances? I suppose I'm thinking mostly of people with debt and mortgages. Uh, they're up for renewal, but I suppose it goes beyond that as well. Yeah, so the big challenge for households uh, in, in the last few months of looking ahead was going to be energy prices. And the government with their energy price guarantee has helped a lot because now the typical bill uh, will be going up from about eighteen, nineteen hundred pounds up to about two and a half thousand pounds instead of the projected increases up to almost six thousand pounds by the middle of next year. So that is probably the biggest saving um, of all. Now, though, we've, we, we're seeing mortgage rates rise and potentially rising by even more because of this help from um, the government. So that will be a big negative impact um, for some households. And I say some households because the majority of households actually don't have a mortgage at all. And of those that do have a mortgage, only about a fifth of households have their mortgage maturing within the next two years. So really, it's a very small part of the population that will see any negative impact from higher interest rates in the near term. And this is why we've been saying for some time that the Bank of England ideally needs to raise interest rates up to a level whereby households change their behavior, you know, start to really focus on saving money instead of constantly spending money. And that would mean interest rates of six, seven percent, uh, maybe. So that that, you know, it seems to be the direction we might be heading in. As for the weakness in the pound, yes, of course, it will hurt households across the board, but the impact is far smaller than, for example, the energy crisis or the the impact from uh, mortgage rates in general. So how much of a risk do you think this could pose to the housing market itself? I mean, some of the headlines are suggesting we could face a housing market collapse. What's your opinion? Collapse is a strong word. I can definitely see... um, inflation within the housing market slowing quite materially. I mean, remember, we're still seeing house prices going up by double digits at the moment, you know, 11, 12% year on year. I mean, I expect to see house prices slow to maybe one or 2% growth at, at most. And even if they dip slightly, then I don't think it'd be the end of the world anyway, because um, you know, affordability is such a major problem right now uh, within the housing market. The key thing is, though, that we don't see uh, an out-of-control collapse in prices, so 10 20% fall in house prices. Because if that was to occur, then more and more households would be dragged into negative equity, and that would put the banking um, sector under pressure as well. I, I do believe the banking sector is quite stable and strong right now. You know, a lot of provisioning has been done in recent years to shore shore up the sector in case there is a big um, fall in prices. But still, we, we I don't think um, from a um, stability point of view, we don't really want to see prices falling that quickly. Okay, so that's the, that's the housing market. Is there any risk to pensions, especially given the moves that we're currently seeing in the debt market? 
the bigger risk isn't really so much for pensioners, but more so for those that are coming up to retirement soon, because they will have been slowly shifting their assets out of equities and more towards fixed income and, and bonds. And with the rise in yields that we've seen recently, that means we're, we're, they're going to see quite a significant hit to the value of their, their pension schemes. Not quite as bad as had they held on to equities, because those equity markets are down far more than, than government bonds in in, in, uh, in price terms, but still there is a negative uh, impact there. For pensioners in general, I think the risk really is inflation. Um, once they, they come up for retirement and they're, and they're reliant on ra- largely a fixed asset paying for um, their, their living, um, then the biggest danger is always inflation, which which can devalue the, 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 the worth of those um, uh, annuities or, or payments that they receive from their, their pension pots. So um, in, in some sense, they would want to see inflation being brought under control more quickly uh, um, than, than otherwise. We've had currency crisis before, most notably in 1976 and Black Wednesday in 1992 when Britain exited the exchange rate mechanism. Are there any lessons we can learn from either of those or are they completely separate situations? The lessons at the time were that, uh, you know, fixed exchange rates, especially with the exchange rate mechanisms, they don't work. And for that reason, the the Bank of England is not uh, willing to comment or act on the movements in in the pound. Um, They may be more willing to um, do more on the the gilts market, but not necessarily on sterling itself, because what they find is if they decide to try to stand in the way of what the markets are doing, then the markets will ultimately win. There's just more cash out there than, than the Bank of England can ever um, fight with. But the other uh, lesson is that, you know, um, fiscal prudence is important. Uh, sustainable public finances are important for um, the the management of the um, confidence of investors. And you need those international investors on side if you're going to borrow money from the rest of the world because, you know, the domestic economy can't necessarily fund all the borrowing that uh, needs to take place. I mean, you've mentioned a myriad of issues there that uh, both the governments and the central bank are trying to tackle. I mean, what are the options left open uh, to the UK government and the Bank of England to try and ease the UK through this crisis? So we've already had a hint from the government that they're going to um, announce a plan for medium-term fiscal finances. Um, I think that that's that has to happen quickly, uh, if if possible. But in reality, we know that there's an election coming up in two years, and they're not going to be trying to apply austerity or even announce any kind of austerity before that election um, is won. So really, it comes down to the Bank of England. I mean, the Bank of England has to now accelerate those rate rises. We have to go from the 50 basis points that we saw at the last meeting up to maybe 100 basis points at the next meeting or even more, just in order to stabilize um, the currency. They have to ensure that demand in the economy slows significantly to get inflation back down. And how badly has what's happened over the last few days affected the outlook for the UK economy and and the country as a whole as a viable investment opportunity? There's lots of comments out there, you know, comparing the UK to an emerging market. And, you know, if, if if we can stand back from all of this, I think there's a lot of merit in, in those comments. Um, It's very rare that we see interest rates going up in markets and the currency falling at the same time, especially in in a developed market. Um, So that's been incredibly negative. The uncertainty around um, the 
um, situation with with uh, the pound obviously puts a lot of investors off internationally when thinking about the UK. But at the same time, the government has taken some significant steps to try to make the UK a more attractive place to invest by cancelling the rise in corporation tax, by getting rid of the additional uh, rate of income tax as well. These are all designed to try to draw in capital from around the world. You know, capital that may have left because of these higher taxes that were introduced, but also because of uh, Brexit recently. And perhaps it's because we live in the UK and it feels like we're in the eye of the storm, but it does tend to have the feel that the UK has been hit hardest by the economic troubles post-COVID. Is that just because we're in the thick of it or is there some truth in that? Um, the, the UK has definitely performed poorly compared to the rest of Europe. We had a much bigger downturn in growth um, and a, quite a steady upturn as, as the economy reopened, but it still took a long time to get back up to the previous peaks in terms of uh, GDP and um, activity. And, you know, that's also only really been achieved by a very weak pound as well to help um, galvanize growth in, in that way very low interest rates and a huge amount of quantitative easing. So it's been a very difficult um, period, but this wasn't really, you know, started by COVID. This this has been going back, going on for quite a long time. Poor um, UK productivity performance, um, a, a shrinking um, uh, export market for the UK as well, um, and more recently Brexit, which is really um, hit the supply of labour for um, UK manufacturers and service providers. And now it means that we're in a situation where we have tremendous staff shortages, which is driving up wages and driving up inflation. And more broadly, should there be concerns outside the UK as to whether this could have any effect in international markets and the global economy? I think the, the consideration for other countries is, you know, really not to follow the example of the UK government at the moment. Don't go and, um, you know, make a big gamble on on tax cuts with the hope that that will provide growth and that will get you out of the current situation, especially when you're in a world where, you know, you're at uh, very low capacity within the economy because it will just generate inflation and the central bank will then have to react with with higher interest rates. So it's it's more that um, international um, organizations, I think they're going to be advising other countries to just heed the warnings of the UK experience uh, of late. More widely, there's been talk of you know, an IMF bailout for the UK. I think that's premature for now. Um, but if the UK suddenly finds itself unable to fund itself within the guilt market, then that may become a reality. Sobering words. Azad Sangana, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Well, that was the show. We very much hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more, check out our website, schroders.com forward slash the investor download. You can also get in contact with us about anything in the show or ideas for future shows at Schroders Podcast at schroders.com. Please remember to subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review. We're now doing one show a week, which will be available every Thursday from 5pm UK time. Thanks very much for listening, but above all, keep safe and go well. Cheers. The value of investments and the income from them may go down as well as up, and investors may not get back the amounts originally invested. Past performance is not a guide to future performance. 
The information is not an offer, solicitation or recommendation of any funds, services or products or to adopt any investment strategy.